0: Welcome to The Grind, a church planting podcast by the Arkansas Baptist State Convention, full of practical tips, missional strategies, and personal stories to bring you insights and encouragement on your church planting journey. We're your hosts, Neil Scoggins and Greg Addison, coming to you live from Little Rock.
1: Welcome back to the Grind Podcast, Neil. We're excited to have you and Bobby Thomas with us for episode two of uh, yes. Understanding and Unpacking the
0: Finances for Church Plants. Uh, Neil, how you probably, doing today? You know what? I am. I'm good. I'm I'm real good. I'm broke, but I'm good. Man, I'm. Uh, <laughs> Bobby's going <laughs> to teach me a lot about how to uh, how to handle finances. And and now let me just say this real quick, Greg. If you did not listen to uh, episode one of this two-parter, stop right now go back and listen to episode one because some of this will make sense but I believe some of this information that we're getting is probably some of the best information for a church planter uh, it's it's sometimes it's boring but man I tell you it is definitely definitely basic uh, again, Bobby Thomas, thank you so much for being here. Bo- Bobby, what, is, what do you do for a living? I mean I, we never really <laughs> talked about that before but what do you what you do? Golf for a living? I don't know. What do you think? No,
2: I don't golf. I don't even own golf clubs, uh, thankfully. Uh, really? That's a blessing for many. But no, uh, I do have an opportunity to serve as the president of the Arkansas Baptist Foundation. And, and predominantly, um, I get to work in advising church pastors and leaders uh, and leaders of our institutions of, of around stewardship and leadership topics and try to how to best lead those organizations. Um, as a foundation, we get to primarily process gifts. So it, every conversation we have is normally with an Arkansas Baptist who's attempting to support ministry in some wonderful way, and we just get to try to figure it out uh, and keep us on the right side of the law. Normally, and so uh, it, you know, we it's a great uh, opportunity, a great calling that our folks have that we've got a staff full of professionally trained folks. None of us went to seminary. We were all in business professions at one point and and have all been called here to the foundation to serve churches and use those gifts and that equipping. And so, it's super cool, and, and to be embraced uh, by the convention and, and by our other churches has just been tremendous.
1: Well, Bobby, you are a great friend to Arkansas Baptist, uh, to our agencies and institutions, the work you do supporting uh, Washita and Williams and Children's Home, that, to the churches that you support and all that. You really are a great friend, and you have trained your staff. you got some great people on your staff, and they just do great work with churches. One of the things we talked about last episode, Neil, was um, how some of the great stories that he has as... as he and his staff work with churches, and we were kind to him and let him off some of the funny stories. I want to hear a funny story before we get back started. (laughs) Well,
2: one of the ones, and it's emerged this year, and it it just kind of blew our mind, is that we've actually come across two churches uh, that were once related that are not related now. I think one was a plant at one point, but they have been um, using the same tax identification number which I didn't know was possible uh, for for at least 20 25 years at this point. So in the in the eyes of the IRS they are one or one is actually known. Uh, what's interesting in this situation and this is a word of caution to church plants is that uh, or maybe it's a technique I don't know, is that uh, what we have seen is that the church plant, that is now no longer considered a church plant. It's been around 20, 30 years. They are actually, in the eyes of the state of Arkansas, the legal holder of this tax identification number, although it originally belonged to their parent or sponsor church. Uh, wow. So. Um, I don't know how this one's going to turn out. We're in the midst of figuring <laughs> this one out, and it was a new one for us. Stay tuned for church corporate takeover. That's right. That's right. What, it's it's so funny.
0: Reality yeah, TV show.
2: Yeah, and I should have answered it this way earlier. When you said, "What do I do?" I, there are times in which I feel like we work in the world of church mergers and acquisitions. I mean, that's how it feels <laughs> uh, some days. So
1: that's uh, awesome. Well, that that'll be our next episode, Neil. How to take over your mother church and steal their property. <laughs>
0: And then you get don't tell a church planner that. I'm telling you because they would wouldn't try. Well, you know they, they are an
1: entrepreneurial try. group, Bobby. You never know right. what creative things they might come up with. Well, that that illustrates what we what we started last time. We created um, uh, sort of the framework that we've been working through that helped church planners know these are the main uh, topics or the main buckets or the main uh, areas of structure yeah. in your financial plan. So we talked about governing documents, and that relates to those tax ID numbers, and this is who we are as an entity and how we're recognized as an entity. So if you're governing documents, um, you're receiving, uh, re- uh, receiving funds that come in. That was a great conversation right. in episode one. Yeah. A lot of folks need to hear that. Uh, and then we had begun talking about – Uh, the uh, church expenses, and that Mm -hmm. relates in two big areas, payroll and compensation issues, which is probably the largest type of expense that you have, and then the other ministry expenses. And then finally, the fifth area would be creating a mechanism for reviewing your structure. And we discussed how church plants, the whole point is to reach more people and grow. And so that creates a dynamic environment. So those five things. So we had just started talking about payroll compensation and and those church expenses and how to really yep. and how to really illustrate those. So Bobby, kind of began talking with us since the payroll and the compensation are the largest type of expense that has to be receded. Uh, what what are the basic things they should have, in the, and and that
2: probably leads to the, the problems that you see in those right. areas for church planners. Well, you need a personnel policy manual. You need to shape something of which, and again, that may seem so silly for a church plant because they may be the only person addressed in the personnel policy manual. But again, you have to assume that this is going to go well and that God's going to provide um, not only leadership, but he's going to call people to serve in that local congregation, right. in that local church. And so you have right. to think through that. The, the other thing, and again, the 1099 W-2 issue is that fundamental issue. Is this an employee? Is this someone I've contracted with? And so why that's so important is because those are, those are two examples of tax documents that are actually issued by the church the church is issuing a 1099 or a W-2 as an official record for that person to use in the preparation of their taxes. So it's critical that those things be done well and that would, they be done accurately.
0: Would it be too granular to go into the, just the difference between a 1099 and a W-2 because just, just real quick, high level. You know, how do I get it? You know, what's on a W two? What's on a ten ninety nine?
2: Well, more importantly, Neil, not only what's on those documents, but how do you determine who receives what? And so, yeah. by and large, if the the church or the ministry is controlling that person's time, uh, the duties that are assigned to them, um, making decisions basically for them, then they're a W two employee. Okay, the church is the employer. And the individual is a W-2 employee. And again, most pastors should be W-2 employees. There may be a very rare circumstance, but we're going to go with the default that you ought to be a W-2 employee. And some of the benefits that are available to you as a W-2 employee uh, housing allowance that we alluded to in in part one um, is really to your best interest to move forward in that way. And it's really the best thing for the church. 1099 are typically going to be people that you engage in a much more sporadic fashion or that are in a business of providing certain services and you contract with them to provide those services for you. Um, and you, you may even dictate uh, when they do it. For example, if you've got someone playing the piano for you or working in the sound booth, or I should have said playing the keyboard, that was almost as bad as stationary, wasn't it? But anyway, <laughs> um, uh, again, tune in the episode one to learn about stationary. But um, so, You will certainly have folks that on a reoccurring basis are 1099 uh, because of unique services and skill sets that they're providing. But you as a pastor, we need to really move towards having you set up as a W-2 employee so you can then model that as the church grows, as the staff grows. Um, and, and, And again, the last thing you really want is that church plant to be issuing tax statements that aren't accurate that then someone acted upon in preparing their personal taxes. It's just – it's pulling on a string that really – it can unravel the entire sweater, so to speak. And so um, we really need to get those right. Um,
1: Yeah, and I I think that's right. And I think those are some good examples from church plants. Neil, you could give some examples too. I think how you do your custodial services in the space that you're in. Right. Uh, You know, if you're you're renting from a school, what are the arrangements you have with them? But if you're renting a storefront or you're renting a building or something like that, have you contracted with somebody to do – cleaning or whatever, or uh, have do you have a part-time employee? What do you call them? And that yeah. supervision is mm-hmm. going to be a key issue on something like that. That's right. You know, and for a, a music person, you're probably controlling them. For a somebody who's... Providing cleaning services in your space, you may or may not be supervising them, depending on how you've established that relationship,
2: and that's where you run right. into that. And depending on what their what their normal course of business is, yeah. I mean, again, a janitorial service company is clearly in the business of cleaning spaces, whether it be a church or not, and so that right. that is a very clear delineation. It becomes much grayer when you have volunteers, paid or unpaid, providing services throughout your building, and and the thing you so many times that's dismissed early because we're like, hey, we can't afford to pay anybody. You know, we're barely paying the planner. And so uh, so they don't. we kind of allow ourselves to ignore it. But, but again, you have to enter into this as if it's going to work and as exactly. if it's going to grow and do well uh, exactly. and, that, and that those issues are going to arise. So you, you really need to think through those as soon as you can. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I like that, you know, I like the, the examples that you use because there's some, I've seen some situations where uh, the parent, the the uh, the parent shares musicians with the plant and they, you know, so is that a, that a piece of the, the parent church? And, but at least having those conversations are some major conversations that we have to,
2: we yeah. have to deal with. And Neil, and part of what we learned is that we need to have the conversations upstream with the parent and sponsor yeah. church. Um, yes they're not always getting it right either, okay? And so we may have a chance to, to kind of clean a lot of things up in the process in that oftentimes they may have landed on a decision years, decades ago, and, and the church plant caused them to rethink through that decision. And it's yeah. not that they were have always been wrong. It may have been that the tax code changed. Or that the guidance changed or that the application of that code changed. And so that's why that level five assessment and reevaluating what you're doing is so critical for all churches, but church plants especially, because the dynamic in which they're growing and changing is so accelerated. Okay, once you've made the determination, they're a
1: ten ninety-nine contract or they're a W-2 employee. Okay, let's take that church planner. What are just the basic structures of I'm gonna next week, I'm gonna issue the first paycheck to the church planner. What, 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 where are my, where are my pitfalls? What
2: have I got to do? Right. So, so by and large, there's going to be some element of salary or kind of gross compensation. And so as a church planner and as an ordained minister, you're going to have an opportunity to declare part of that as a tax-free house allowance in advance. And so, by the way, I feel like I need to provide this disclosure. I'm not a CPA and this is not tax or legal advice, but we, we do have a CPA on staff that will be glad to kind of help work through this with you. But, um, So you're going to declare, and again, you have to declare it in advance of earning it, as how much of this was necessary or do I anticipate will be necessary to cover my housing expenses. The reason that's important is because that, up to a reasonable test uh, of the rental value of your property and utilities so on and so forth like that, um, you can actually receive as tax-free compensation to where you're not responsible for federal or state income taxes, on that portion of your salary that you declared in advance to be housing. And so that's really that essential building block early on. Also, yeah. uh, the other things, and these are things that are going to be reflected in that payroll is are you having things withheld for insurance or is the church providing you insurance? Uh, so are they paying for that for you? Um, yeah. And some of those things will be determined to be taxable benefits and some of those uh Maybe direct expenses of the church that are right. that are processed, and then are you having things withheld for your retirement or for your uh, annuity board contribution, or is the church making that as well? And so all those things are handled in that formal payroll process every pay period. There's it's yeah. not a sporadic. Hey, we'll look. We'll think about that later. It's best if that's done consistently throughout the year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, when you're doing that, you, so the the group, and sometimes that core group of those leaders are just a, a small group that's making that decision. Regardless of how large that group is, you have to make those decisions early on. And I think you keep saying that over and over. You have to decide Ahead of time, what is going to be housing? What's going to be something else? What's going to be, and whether or not you have. Here's a situation that a planter was asking me about. I'm thinking about bringing somebody else on, on our, an ordained person later on. Do I deal with that now, or do I wait until right before that person comes on to outline compensation or outline whether or not they're a 1099 or a W-2? Um, employee?
2: Well, I think I think you're going to have kind of a home base. You're going to have a, a, a set uh, of expectations. And so if you're going to c- control and supervise that individual, if they're going to truly be part of your church staff, again, they're probably going to be a W-2 employee. W-2.
0: Gotcha.
2: And so at, it's almost like a decision tree. And we, can, and we have some of these kind of uh, thought processes that once it's 1099 or W-2, you're going to work through A set of decisions around are they ordained? If in fact they're ordained, are they going to claim housing allowance? Also, your personnel policy may say anyone that's a full-time employee of the church, we provide X amount of insurance benefits and X amount of retirement. So you need to think through, okay, when I bring this person on, my expenses are not just their salary, but my expenses are also the expectation that we've committed to a certain amount of health insurance and retirement support for that individual. And so what we've seen is that oftentimes the actual expenses to the employer, the church in this case, for that employee is 30 to 35% greater than just their salary because yeah. of those ancillary things, whether it be the em- employer side of Social Security and taxes, whether it be um, – Contributions for health and retirement. Um, so, the the other thing, and this is going to be, because this can get to be pretty weighty stuff. And so, you, you're going to have to decide fairly early on: is our payroll going to be prepared in house? Or are we going to contract with a, a vendor or an accounting firm, bookkeeping firm? Uh, is our parent going to help? That's what I was going know, to ask. If the parent handles
1: that for you, are there any unique deals? Or they just set it up for you and they run it? That would be it. ideal. Yeah. I mean,
2: that would be ideal. That, again, They're already
1: used to running payroll. They already have program system. Their financial secretary or business administrator, whoever does that, already knows how to do that's it. That's right. And so they can just run it
2: for you. Yeah, we. Yeah, there's going to be an – Assumption that they're getting it right, and again, we're going to want to make sure that you're set up right. But th- that would be a best practice, at least initially, um, so that you have a, a kind of a, a platform to launch from. Um, if in fact you find yourself kind of on an island in that regard, I would say payroll is one of those things. It's hard to wing it. Uh, it can get complicated pretty quick, especially it provides as it applies to uh, ministerial taxation. And so, um, yeah reach out to us. We'll try to get you connected with the most cost-effective solution possible uh, for you to get that established correctly on the front end. It's so much easier to get it right on the front end versus going back and amending tax records and, and all the consequences yeah, for that. I'm
0: going to ask, though. I mean, let's say I'm down the road. I mean, because the reality is this. you got a guy three years in. He's been going and blowing. Everything is good. But he's realizing that he's just treading water with a lot of this. He's, you know, not in jail yet, but they're knocking at the door. <laughs> how do you, how, how do you turn this ship? I mean, do you just stop everything, start to create documents, and then go from there? I mean, it's it, and it's right now. It's he's knocking on June. He's a half a year into, you know, three and a half year. What? how can you turn that ship
2: well the, there are certainly things that you can you can amend and correct in the immediate like for example we talked in episode 1 about uh, your gift receipting policy okay so you, you you have an obligation to receipt all the contributions someone made for a year so let's say you hadn't kept up with it real well or you hadn't issued any receipts yet through June well guess what you can that's something you can kind of play catch up with and get right okay Yeah. Um, From a payroll perspective, you do just have to pick a point in the sand and pivot, okay? You do have to pick a point and say, hey, we just realized we were 1099 in this person we probably shouldn't have been. Let's try to pivot from here. Again, it's possible you can go back and clean up some of that because you do get a chance to issue that 1099 is typically recapping a calendar year, okay? Right. So, But it may be that that first year – that person gets a 1099 and a W two from the church, right? Cause yeah. you pivoted at some point in June and, and made them an employee, set them up with withholdings, all those things. Um, yeah. housing allowance is, is, is one of those things that can't be kind of fixed in arrears. It has to be declared in advance of earning. Uh, so you, you may be a little further down the road in getting that done. Um, but, Typically, now again, you said they're knocking at the door. Now if if that is a real situation where where someone is um, charging or accusing one of our church plants of handling something inappropriately or not correctly, then then you're gonna have to deal with those charges or allegations or or inquiries. Uh, and, and you're gonna have to deal with that. Most often, though, um, someone sitting in a church admin workshop, we partner with the convention and host a couple of church admin workshops or right. um, someone couldn't sleep at night and decided to read the church financial guidebook um, <laughs> and, and they, and they find conviction on page 83 or They've some had other enough page. Zoom yeah. calls
1: during COVID and they're looking yeah. for something new. Yeah. So,
2: <laughs> you know, if it's an internal conviction, then, then our experience has been, um, you're you're going to be viewed favorably to taking a proactive step as soon as you become aware of a circumstance, as long as you you didn't continue to kind of perpetuate that uh, practice. And so it is important to, as soon as you identify, and and we kind of use the phrase, as soon as you become too wise to continue to be unwise, all right, with your practices, then you need to pivot, and we need to try to address those, clean up what we can, we're certainly not looking to reissue every 10.99 you ever issued or we're certainly right. not I mean nor, nor do I think that's the expectation in the code. Uh, which, what you're d- to do is to take and apply the code to your practices the best way you can, seek guidance and and, and move forward And so that's what we want to do.
1: Yeah, that's Probably. a great word. You can always it's always better to build it right on the front end. But the, but the only really bad thing we can't deal with it is we figured out it was a problem and we just didn't want to deal with it, so we just let the problem continue to That's go. right. It's always better in midstream to pivot and fix something that has integrity. God can bless you doing that. The, like I said, the code, the IRS, all that stuff, it just looks better that you figured it out and you fixed it. That is at least a showing of integrity.
0: Yeah, the the
1: yeah. one you can't ever fix is yeah. Gee, we knew that was a problem, and we just kind of just hoped it would never, you know, and we just that's let it. That's called the in jail. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> the one we don't ever want to deal with. Well,
2: and that, and that really leads at, again. We've we've attempted this summer to create an assessment, and, and one of those questions in this assessment, and it's kind of one of those when you read it, we all kind of flinch a little bit, and that's who holds the church financially accountable. So who within your local context is holding you as a planner as well as the church broadly accountable for finances and and
0: so, who would I mean so who is that, Bobby?
2: Well and again, sometimes uh, it's your largest giver just to be honest in a local context that's the person that, that's asking for accountability. Um, other times it may be a parent you know it may be if that church, um, if that parent is materially involved in supporting financially that plant, um, they may lean into some accountability. Um, oftentimes, you know, it's the responsibility <laughs> of that planner to surround himself with a group to provide accountability, both personally in his ministry, but also that governance and that we talked about before, whether that be a trustee, an elder board, a church council, that there will be a legal structure, those that are responsible to act on behalf of the church, well, they yeah. should also step into that holding the church accountable. Did we provide the receipts we said we were going to provide? Did we spend the money in the areas we said we are? And again, it's really not too different than how we would attempt to operate our lives as well, is that if I if I provide a service or if I do a day's work, I'm, I I expected to be compensated for that appropriately. And when I get that, I know I've got certain bills and obligations and expenses that I'm going to be res- expected to meet. Same thing within the church. When someone supports that church financially, they're going to want to be acknowledged and thanks for that. And once that church receives that support, there's an intent that we have expressed that here's what we plan to do. And, and it's just the yeah. carrying out of that. And so, um, Again, yeah, accountability I mean, can sound scary. It, it really shouldn't but be. But it
1: really is a blessing. I mean, there, there, right. are, there are reasons that we have idioms in our culture like, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And, you know, we yeah. deal all the time with churches that fall. You know, pastor falls, but it's because nobody was watching what he's doing, and he just did it that way forever. And then he, well, I can do this, and I can do this, and they slide into that. You know, most people don't set out in that direction. They just fall in that direction. Yeah. So and, yeah. so I think what you do is, 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 is when you're setting up a structure, for example, when we uh, church where I pastored and we set up a satellite campus that we intended as a church plant, uh, those two layers that Bobby talked about are a great sort of example, I think, for church planters. One is the sponsor church. So we, yeah. we, as the mother church or sponsor church, or whatever terminology you want to use, over the plant, we watched over what they did. Uh, the, now, the planter was, he, he was his vision. He was reaching people. He was, hey, Pastor Greg, we're doing this, and our strategy and all that. So we weren't, like he wasn't under our thumb, but we were the accountability function. We made sure it's set yeah. up correctly. We made sure they functioned correctly. We watched over the books and all that. But the second layer, because we're establishing a plant and, you know, build with the end in mind, as Bobby said, have some faith. Believe you're going to reach people and you're going to be a church. So set up from the beginning that plan. So we had them set up a finance committee and they had in their documentation, in their structure, they had the basic committees, the basic way that they would function When the church clicked and when God moved and it began to grow those bodies so that we were training leaders, we were training the church from the beginning to have the DNA right. So their first finance committee didn't know all what they were supposed to do, but they didn't have to because they had us as that first round of accountability, but we were able to teach them. And so we taught them what they would do. And a year down the road, they began to take that on and understood it, and we had built the right DNA into the plant. yeah. So it had the ability to move forward in a proper fashion, in a way that God could honor and people would buy into
2: the ministry and the integrity of it. Well, and one thing Greg just said that's so important, and you certainly want those families that come out of the sponsor or the parent church to be bought into the mission, but they also need to bring with them gifting, equipping DNA. And so as you're recruiting those families or as you're identifying those families that may go with the plant, it is important that you have someone that has the DNA or gifting and equipping in this area. The other thing that you mentioned is that is regarding faithfulness or or trusting that that God's going to bless this. One of the things we've seen through this entire kind of COVID-19 crisis is that Arkansas Baptists have been remarkably faithful and financially giving and supporting the the local church and missions. And so um, sometimes I think as leaders, we fall into the trap of, oh, we need to hunker down. This is going to get really bad. And and our people sometimes respond in a way that opens our eyes to the faithfulness that they have and the confidence. And so, and really the flexibility. I mean, look look at all the decisions that haven't been made in the last two months that would have taken 10 years to make. Yeah, that oftentimes yeah. were made in a, in a week or two framework. And, so, um, and that's also been a great demonstration of how quickly things can change and how um, flexible and faithful yeah. we need to be through this
1: process. It, it's all, and that's great, Bobby. It's also, uh, Neil, I think a DNA question. When you yeah. put the right DNA, when people have the right heart of ministry, and then you face something like this, they have the ability to respond. they they right. they know where they're going. There's a passion there, there's a desire, and they make it work. When you think?
0: Well, and and I think part of the deal is, like you said, it it all of that needs to be in the DNA, just like prayer is part of the DNA, just like stewardship is part of the DNA. evangelism, discipleship. this piece of being accountable, for, you know, uh, incarnational ministry you know translates into everything not only how I treat my family at home but how I deal with God's resources and the resources that that God has actually given us Bobby let me ask you a quick question about you talked about uh, the the situation where uh, two churches had one tax ID number mm-hmm. so when you're starting a plant let's say you know because churches plant church you have a parent church and then you have a plant and then somebody else starts to plant out uh, what is the campus uh, Thing look like? Do you maintain the same tax ID number? Do you, or is it just up to each individual situation? It,
2: it is a situation by situation uh, assessment, but one of the things, and Greg described this earlier. So oftentimes a plant may start as a campus. The parent church may be providing all the payroll support, all those things. Nine times out of 10, that bookkeeper or payroll person at the parent church, they're going to onboard The campus or church plant employees, just like they would the church employees, same EIN, uh, uh, which is a tax identification number, employer identification number. And so in that case, most folks are normally going to start all with one big kumbaya identification number. Right. There needs to be some definition around when that went from a campus to a plant that – we help that plant apply for their own tax identification number, their own um, tax exemption letter with through the state convention, their own secretary of state registration. The, there does need to be a tipping point. There needs to be, ideally, that is a structured plan conversation at the beginning. Uh, we've yeah. got great friends here that went from campuses to plants quickly, overnight. We've got churches that, thought they were launching campuses and they were launching plants and they didn't know it. So again, gotta be flexible, gotta be faithful in that. But oftentimes, um, especially if it starts as a campus, you're gonna, you're gonna be under that parent EIN. And that's, I I don't, I don't know what happened 25, 30 years ago in this other situation. It sounds like that's what happened. This was originally a campus. They let the campus use the EIN And just over time, no one thought about, well, wait a minute. They're 12 miles away or they're 20 miles away. Are they using – are they still using that EIN? Sure they're not. There wasn't a birthing mechanism that happened.
0: No, no. Well, the umbilical cord was never cut, so they're just dragging (laughs) them around. That's right. Uh, Which is – that's another bad image. But – a hole is included. You talked about a little bit of that that's included in that assessment. What would you suggest or recommend? Is it three years? Is it one year that you go back and deal with that assessment bucket? Or do you wait until you reach a certain amount financially? or are you getting this, this structure looks differently? What is that I, assessment?
2: I would say in a church plan, especially a church plan, it's a dynamically growing and changing annually would be a healthy time, you know, for, for a more established church, um, you know, three to five years, you could probably be okay. Now there are going to be certain things like that secretary of state good standing. You have to update each year. The, yeah. the, the other point, and, and this may, this may cause a church plan to look at it more frequently than a year is that as your staff uh, is growing and as your leadership is growing, it, it's a great mechanism of orientation for, to say, to someone that's new in the leadership or new to the church staff, here's how we're structured. Here's how we, here's how we make decisions. Um, like, for example, who is authorized to sign or conduct business on behalf of the church? How does the church feel about debt? Do we have any debt? You know, are, are, are we going to say, no, we're going to use this facility that's provided to us by our parent until we can rent our own or build our own or whatever the case, and we— you know, what is our opinion on those things? Uh, also, who makes the decisions? Um, pastors, deacons, trustees, elders, the church body? Who who gets to make those decisions in regards to bringing on an employee uh, or bringing on a staff member? Um, and who gets to approve the budget? You know, do we hold business meetings or not? You know, if so, who's invited? And so, all those little if COVID decisions hits, can we have one by zoom or not that's right and so <laughs> who can vote that's right we're we're in the midst of a process by which 60 70 80% of our churches are reevaluating yeah. these things um and again it, it as i said before it's not a set it forget it it's not a irrevocable decision either you may say when we started as a church plant it, there were such a narrow group of people that were involved in the vision and involved in the process, involved in that DNA, that we had a very tight group of decision-makers so that we could be nimble and make decisions in an accelerated fashion. As we grew, we we understood that our community and our church body needed to be more involved. So we transitioned to a more congregational-led church. That's okay. There's nothing right or wrong about that. It's just unless you're actively thinking about those things, those changes never occur. And so... um, so at least annually, long answer, sorry, at least annually. Um, but as you has a, a dynamic change, either in your congregation or in your staff, then you may need to reassess that. Yeah, that's um, real
1: good. That is real good. Uh, that was a great question, Neil. Uh, Bobby, th- we thank you for walking us through the, that structure. Those five things, man, that really gives a framework for, I think, our church planners to process, even the evaluation. I can go back, and I can really say, What kind of uh, when I'm talking about who makes decisions or whether this is a 1099 or do I know where that goes? I know why it's important. I know where it fits in. Let's let's talk just a minute um, about uh, we're now in this COVID journey Mm -hmm. for months. You know, at the beginning of it, nobody knew how long it was going to go. It looks like it's going on now. That kind of deal. Folks have been faithful. Uh, a, across the board. But you, but you also have um, uh, churches and areas that have been more hard hit than others or maybe the constituency of your church plant has been hit more than others or whatever. Yeah. And, it, and we don't know how long it's going to go on. So uh, we don't know what the long-term effects are going to be economically. So as a church planter is trying to manage finances and, and, and just work in this weird time, uh, do do you have some areas or some suggestions about watch this, be aware of this, worry about this? What 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 specific things during this COVID journey would you suggest the church planners should pay extra attention to?
2: Well, the first thing is that, um, and this has really been a blessing and, and a testament uh, to some of our strong Christians uh, leaders in, in state government and, and national government is that. Churches were specifically included in the CARES Act and in the Paychecks Protection Program. So right. if you as a church plant or if your parent church has not evaluated the resources that have been, have been made available to you through these broader uh, programs, and again, the CARES Act most specifically addressed that, then I think you owe it to yourself and, and your leadership to at least explore um are there funds available to help our church during this time that we've yet to consider taking advantage of or yet to consider exploring? So that would be the first thing. That's not an expense thing. That's a provision that we feel like's out there for some of our churches uh, that, that you at least owe it to yourself to examine. When, when we talk about expenses, you are going to want to begin to look at expenses in really two basic areas, essential and discretionary. And so those essential expenses, and again, that's going to be you know payroll and your people. Um, now, you may have found that, again, 1099, let's say, for example, you had folks that were coming uh, to work in the sound booth or that were cleaning your facility uh, or that were musicians on stage. Um, depending on what you're doing from a service platform time, your demands on their time may have changed materially one way or the other. If you're back to meeting, you may need that custodial staff more than you ever need them and twice on Sunday type thing. And so you may see that expense growing where um, you may have also be experienced a time if you're still meeting online or, or predominantly to where some of those production related expenses have really grown. And so you'll need to revisit your budget in that in this world of a new normal, did we did we kind of miss the mark in some of these areas and what we anticipated versus what we're experiencing? Uh, and how's that going to change going into the summer and the fall uh, as we okay. look at phase two and phase three, the, the other, so those are all those essential experience uh, expenses. Um, also in essential will be your rent um, and utilities. Again, if you've not been in your building, maybe your utilities are lower. If, if, if you've not used your physical building as much, you may can, have a conversation with your landlord, revisit that rent conversation uh, as well. You may evaluate that your physical space needs are different than you anticipated they might be because of all this. Um, You may be finding that your small groups are meeting in homes or being more flexible in the way they're meeting. Assuming everybody's zoomed out by now, I know I certainly am and kind of yearning together. So um, again, not only, you have to evaluate your essential expenses, but try to make a new assessment out what those may be in the future. Yeah,
1: that uh, I know a lot of landlords are working through. Uh, they got a lot of uh, you know businesses like hair businesses and gyms and like that. They, they didn't have any revenue for a long time, and a lot of landlords have just decided I'd rather forgive your rent for a month, and then you still exist and pay me rent when we all come back then I cut you off, and now I have to start all over trying to rent my whole facility again. Exactly. Right. And exactly. so there's a lot of lot of conversations that can be had there, uh, yeah. and I think don't be afraid uh, to have those. Um, the other yeah. thing I had, at, uh, my first pastorate, uh, one of the guys in our church, incredible deacon, man of God, just, just one of those guys, man, you wish every church had more of them. And uh, and he'd call me in every now and then and he'd say, son, you know, he was older and I was younger and son, you know, you're in trouble, Neil. And, the- yeah, well, when the they deacon call you calls son. you in and says, son, <laughs> yes, sir, I'm about to learn something here. I better take notes. <laughs> and I'd have the, every now and then, he'd have a son conversation. But they were great, and he was awesome, and I think he loved me like a son, which is, it was good, but, you know, you kind of know what that means. And he says, son, we had an economic downturn, and we were starting looking at some of things, and he said, son, I'm just going to tell you. He said, everybody knows to fix a burst pipe, but the drips will make you go broke. and I thought you know man just great horse sense in that there's so many things that you can shave you may not Mm -hmm. need them and you're not thinking about that you're thinking about ministry Uh, what can I do in my community to have an impact right now how can I seize on this opportunity Uh, we're going online and now I'm spending my time creative trying to think about the best way to do my online service and I'm not thinking about I don't need the janitorial service for a month, or I need something different, or you know, yeah, a different can, way to do it. Yeah, I,
2: or I can turn the air up in the classrooms because you know, no sense running the air down there. You know, so yeah, I mean, at the church where I where I've been the interim, uh, we had a we saved a lot of
1: money by reevaluating the electricity mm-hmm. on, on what yeah. rooms ran and shut off certain rooms because people weren't coming anyway. That kind of deal, and uh, and so I think there's a lot of those assessments that a church planner needs to think and talk yeah. about with some people in his church about ways to assess that.
0: Well, and the other thing well, I is... I was just saying too, Bobby, about uh, whether you, you cut down on one thing, but from a ministry standpoint, you you really, like you said, you need to shift with an uptick. You know, you were laughing at me about stationary, but assimilation with some planters now, especially during this time, because people are still trying to connect with church and all of that. Assimilation looks totally different now right. than it did before. So, you know, we're spending a little more on, you know, what we're putting in the mail and what we're putting online and some other things to kind of connect with people. So well, and there should uh, be, well, we turn the, a unit off in the back of the church. though. We?
2: <laughs> well, and there should be some discretionary expenses that hopefully we all naturally know to curb. I mean, a lot of our conference expenses have been curved for us, oh, yeah. right. And travel expenses, <laughs> yeah. but you know, You know, the whole control what you can control, those expenses that you can control as a planner and keep limited and reduced during this time, you certainly want to do that. Uh, And just be sensitive to the perception of how some of those things may appear. Uh, You know, your your conference to an out-of-state, attractive venue is probably not the first thing you want to bring (laughs) back online uh, in in the budget. And so, um, again, just be wise there. Uh, Be – be cognizant of what's taking place. Is, is your county or community harder hit than another? As Greg said, and so I, I I know those things will come naturally, but we can get caught up in the the hectic nature of it and and miss those drips. So that's a great great word.
0: Um, well, we don't we won't be able to, to make those changes unless we we schedule that assessment. That last bucket man is just major to me because we. We, uh, we expect what we inspect and, uh, if we don't inspect what we're doing and even in this environment, man, there's no telling. We may not be prepared for reunification. We may be prepared for, you know, selling.
1: Man, that's a great word, Neil. Uh, especially from your experiences, you know, planning a church, it's, it's just great for, to reaffirm that guys to hear it. Well, uh, as we close, I wanted to just, just remind you a couple of things, uh, uh, we, we mentioned last episode, my, one of my education areas that I uh, studied, um, they told us there's two kinds of information. The one first kind is the kind that you carry around that you know. And the second kind of information is information that you know how to find. You don't have to remember all this. You don't have to know all this. You just have to know enough to know, man, I need help there, and I know where I can get it. Let, let me give you just three places where you can get help. First of all, church planners, is you're dealing with um, – uh, these financial issues, first your sponsored church is your first greatest resource. Yep. Man, they're already doing a lot of these things. They're helping you in these things. You have experienced staff, you experienced finance committees, experienced people. Rely on your church, on your sponsored church. Let them help you. Ask questions. Call the pastor. Find out who can Talk with you about it. So if you need to evaluate your drips, man, call the pastor, ask him about it, and ask him for two or three business people or finance committee people in the in, in that church that can help you with do that. Number two, call our church health team, call our uh, church planning team. We're always here to help you with these things while we do this. Number three, man, one of the greatest resources you can call uh, is Bobby or his staff at the foundation. Man, they are a part of the Arkansas Baptist family. They are your foundation. When your church gets Gives a cooperative program, they are giving and investing in the Arkansas Baptist Foundation. So you are already connected. They already love you and appreciate you and have bought into your ministry, and they are there to serve you. And so, man, treat them as one of your one of your top resources that you can go for that information. And so, Bobby, man, we thank you and 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 through you, your staff for what y'all do and how you are great friends, of Arkansas Baptist. As we close. Why don't you just tell us some, some, some of the cool stuff happening in the foundation. Just
2: celebrate. Let us celebrate with you a minute about what God's doing at the foundation. Well, one thing, and, and to reiterate, Greg said, if you go to abf.org forward slash resources, we've, we've tried to place a lot of the things we talked about today on that resources page, and we'll be glad to help you navigate that, uh, however that may see fit. But one of the things that's been super unique is that we've had the opportunity really for about the last year to assist the convention and the church health team with stewardship, church stewardship corporately. And so that's what that's looked like is these church administration workshops that we've had an opportunity to host and we now have a dedicated person on our team, Kurt Tucker, who's we call him the stewardship coordinator. He kind of coordinates those stewardship efforts. The other thing that our board did in February, we began and you know pre-COVID to to genuinely set aside some time, energy and resources to explore Church administration, more specifically, kind of as a subset of stewardship. Like, so from an administration standpoint, how can we provide a real boots on the ground solution specifically for church plants, churches in the Delta, um, and churches that are new to the convention? And so we've, we are in the midst of that right now. We thankfully, we had made that decision in advance of COVID and said, you know what, we're going to power forward. Uh, And so I'm really anticipating. Uh, By mid to late summer, having a report back, we've we've contracted with someone to to prepare that assessment, Neil, to assess what is the state of church plants, what is the state of Delta Network churches, um, and prepare that assessment to then bring back to our leadership to say how can we be – impactful in that area? How can we continue to partner with the convention in a more meaningful way to actually address the solution? Don't don't talk about it any longer, not disidentify it, but yeah. actually come come alongside that pastor and address it in a tangible way. So I think we're as close. This is a conversation that started back in August of 2018 with our board. And so I think we're as close as we've ever been to actually having something where yeah. we can come alongside to provide a real tangible solution, so that's what I'm excited about, and probably spending the most time this summer working through. Man, thank you, Bobby, for Definitely. all that you guys do. Neil,
1: man, that was another strong episode yep. right there from Bobby.
0: I'm telling you, I'm not a prophet, nor am I a prophet son, but I'm gonna tell you, you better watch this one, listen to this uh, podcast two or three times. It's uh, it's awesome. Glad we don't do it on video because uh, Bobby was dogging out my Dallas Cowboys shirt, but that's okay. We uh, speaking how about of them Cowboys? One, yeah, yeah how about them cowboys uh, listen any of the information that we talked about again this is episode 2 about all things administration if you missed the first episode please go back take a listen get a notepad and pay attention to the first episode and then roll into the second one any questions that you have you can always email us at thegrind@absc.org. at absc.org. thank you so much for joining us this week on The Grind Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Grind. We hope you learned something new and found some encouragement along the way. To learn more about church planting in Arkansas and to find more resources, visit absc.org and click the church planting tab. Be sure to rate and review us if you like what you heard. Until next time, keep grinding.